Bookcase and Coffee presents Buzzing About Romance, a quick shot of romance. Welcome to a quick shot of romance. I am Becky and joining me for this episode is podcast contributor Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Becky. <laughs> um, so this episode is airing in April, which we are highlighting and featuring indie authors in April. So um, I gave very narrow parameters in which what books we could do. Uh, we picked authors that were truly indie that haven't published under a small press or in any other author's world. So it was kind of hard to pick books, but we found a good one here, I think. Very good. Um, so on this episode, we are reviewing um, Think Outside the Boss by Olivia Haley. This is book one in her New York Billionaires. So, Lindsay, read us the synopsis from Goodreads. Thinking outside the box resulted in the best night of my life until I discovered the man I spent it with is my new boss. Attending a secret sex party where clothes are optional wasn't a life goal of mine, but when the exclusive invitation ends up in my mailbox by accident, well, who wouldn't be curious? It's not like I'm going to do anything. The handsome stranger I meet has different plans. One glance across the crowded party and an hour later we're stretched out on silk. Our night together is glorious, no names and no regrets. But I'd forgotten there's always a price to pay for pleasure. I found out, I find out the cost when I start my internship because who is the new venture capitalist CEO? Tristan Conway, AKA my handsome stranger. Powerful, determined, intriguing, and single. Oh, and he wants to see me in his office. Thinking outside the box got me into this mess. Now if I could just stop thinking about the boss. So this released June 7th of 2021. Um, it's a one night stand, single dad, co-worker, age gap, one bed, billionaire romance. <laughs> um, and it pops at 11%, which I thought... You know, it was great. Um, so let's talk about their meeting because it is all by chance. Um, Freddie, Frederica, the heroine, um, she goes by Freddie, gets a mysterious envelope from her former, fr it's for her former roommate or for the former tenant of her apartment? Yeah. The former tenant. So she's just moved to New York. Um, she's living in basically a shoebox. And this mysterious gold envelope arrives with an invitation for her old, the old tenant. Yeah. And a mask too, right? Wasn't there a mask in <laughs> oh, it? A mask. Yep. And um, it's an invitation to an exclusive party. She has to show the ticket, which is the invitation. And she has to wear the mask. And identities are secret. Um. But it's and also very elite. It's it is not something elite. she'd have access to without this mysterious invitation because they pay $20,000 a year to anonymously go to this party. There are rules and structure around um, how people interact at these parties and what happens at these parties. So it's very exclusive. <laughs> it is very exclusive and it is elite. And um, so Freddie goes and um, just to see you know, kind of that moment of the wild, you know, stepping outside of what is expected of her. And she flirts and meets a very handsome older man. 
and they decide to spend the night together. And they and it do. Is, it is sexy. <laughs> it is sexy. He is a dirty talker, guys. Like, dirty talker. It was so sexy. Um, and then she falls asleep after they have had sex, and she wakes up alone. He is gone. And then... And then- you fast forward to her new day, her new job at work. Yeah, her new job. And one of the things I really did love about the sex club part of this, that was not the focal point of this story. It catapulted the story, but it never really comes back into play. And it was very interesting. It was a very interesting way for them to meet. And I think it lined up well with the story and what we know about both characters later on that they would meet that way. Um, Well, because Tristan is a single dad. He is the single parent to his nephew who was orphaned um, at age three. And I think the little boy is like five or six now. He, I think in the story, so it's like five or six years later, and um, I think he's closer to like nine, eight or okay. nine. Yeah. Age of children is hard. This is why baby math is hard <laughs> for authors. Yeah. Um, but so he only, because he's also a billionaire, he owns a venture capital business and he has three other partners and the theory behind their venture capital business is, is that when they take on a new company, they, uh, one of them takes the place as CEO. So like, this is Tristan's book. The next book is the next partner and how he has to take over the business that they're buying or investing money in at that time. Um, so, you know, here's Tristan. He only goes out to this party in a manner to hook up and it's only when his nephew is not around like it's you know he was with friends the night that Tristan was out um so then you fast forward and Frederica is in New York City to start an internship at it's a marketing company correct um I'm not sure exactly what it is she works in a strategy department which is kind of I think like marketing but also like corporate strategy how to um basically be as profitable and value added yeah as you can be (laughs) so as she's getting her tour um from HR she is introduced to the new owner and CEO Tristan her one night stand Oh, um, so I think it's actually she, so she's introduced to her coworkers and they're trashing the CEO a little bit. And then she fires off that naughty email to him. That's right. I forgot and then about like that. The, yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> um, cause like they talk like the HR department does like, that's been the introducer to the concept of the CEO and like what his role is and whether or not they expect her to see him. And they're basically like, Oh, he's never around or like, he never comes down here to interact with the little people. <laughs> but then like they said, he sends out an email about the company party she is trying to bond with her coworkers, and instead of forwarding the email, she replies, and it is sassy, and <laughs> she signs it as Freddie. So, right, Tristan and she basically says, that, "Well, and basically she says his pizza party is stupid. This does not show you that you appreciate us. We deserve better." 
and signs it Freddie and sends it off. And then he calls her to his office. And shock of all shocks. He thinks that he's going to be meeting with a man. He does. He does. He does. It was so funny and awkward, but hilarious. I mean, I loved it because he was kind of taken aback. He didn't know quite what to do. Yeah. But then also like it becomes, it becomes like her position in the company actually becomes something that he needs. Like he needs somebody who's new, who doesn't have loyalties built in the company yet. And he winds up working with her to figure out who is the mole because their, their company is leaking, um, very important information that's costing them clients and it's from he thinks from her department so with her being new he takes the opportunity to also um use those that as an opportunity but it's got the caveat that they can only meet outside of work not any kind of work communication so that kind of like puts puts things in motion for them to start building a relationship outside of work. Like they have to meet off of out, out of work hours because he doesn't want anyone to know um, that he suspects there's a mole for one or that he's investigating a mole. Um, yeah. And the coworkers are interesting. They add a level to the story um, that really just, I mean, it adds to kind of that corporate espionage piece to it because you're not sure who is the mole no you're not and it was written really well I thought at one point it was going to be her boss I was so convinced it was going to be her boss because of how icy their um you know their first (laughs) first introductions are and I was like wait a second like her boss is amazing I loved her boss by the end of the book um but it was really interesting and then the way one of the things that they do like in a lot of stories where the female character is new in city which she definitely is she has Freddie's only been in the city for two months she's from Philadelphia she has no friends in New York um she's new in city. A lot of times what they do is the female character falls in love and then she's only got the relationship. That's not the case. Like Freddie goes out and does other things. She forms relationships. She spends times with time with her coworkers and she, you know, she, she makes sure that she's prioritizing the things that are important to her, that she's not just getting caught up in this whirlwind romance. And I think like that gravity that adds like gravity to her relationship with Tristan because like she does have a lot to lose, but at the same time, like he's not the only thing she has in New York. Yeah. Building did, life out of him. Yeah, I did like that. Although saying that, I will say <laughs> there was great chemistry between Freddie and Tristan. Oh, yes. <laughs> and they were drawn to each other. And I really enjoyed. So this is the first book I have ever read by this author. And I like how she did it. It was through emails and through banter, and it wasn't just perceived attraction. Like, you saw, you know, where they were going and what they were thinking, and I really enjoyed that. I did, too. I like that they decided that it was something worth pursuing, and they knew, like, they knew that they could pursue it because Tristan was not, Tristan was very clear from the beginning, like, his role as CEO was temporary. They sell off these companies, like, her position at the company was probably more secure long-term than his. (laughs) So it was, you know, it was a unique situation where they were, it was like a for now secrecy to their relationship because it would have career implications for her. Um, But I think I also liked that too. So sometimes 
um, billionaire romances, they can come off as um, flippant and we have to keep it a secret. And there's like a shame to hooking up with the intern and stuff like that. And that was not the case in this book. Mm -hmm. Um, He wasn't ashamed to be connected to her at all. It was more her like, no, no, we have to keep our distance because, you know, and I don't want to respectful of that. He was very respectful of that. He acknowledged many times in the book that she had more to lose from somebody discovering their relationship than him. Um, And I think that was handled in such a realistic way because I mean, in a workplace, especially like most of her coworkers are male. Like that is the case for women. A lot of women have to work harder or like, you know, there's more perceptions. Um, that shape women in the career world. So I thought it was really nice to see him being respectful of that and trying to really prioritize her career, her priorities, making sure that he wasn't going to hold her back in any way. It was, he was such a thought. He was not like your average billionaire at all. He wasn't, he wasn't a playboy. He wasn't a flirt. He was very down to earth and grounded. And there was... And desperation isn't the right word, but he strive to be the best example for his nephew. And it was like he didn't care what was going on. That was always his priority. Um, Yeah. And I just I really liked their relationship. I liked their connections. I like how he um, comes across. And even though Freddie is kind of young, she had a maturity about her, too. She didn't jump to, you know, certain conclusions about him or what was acceptable. She didn't try to push the boundaries either. Mm -mm. Like she understood that, you know, this is here and that is there kind of stuff. Yeah, but she was also she also wasn't compromising on her the the impact of their relationship to her work. She was she worked very hard to get to where she was. She knew her value. She had confidence in what she had to offer. Um, she had, I loved her confidence in herself as a whole. She wasn't, the, this is one of the stories where the, like a lot of times what you see in the billionaire trope is very well off billionaire, um, playboy, dates a lot of supermodels, girl feels inferior because like ordinary girl, why would you, <laughs> you know, like why, what, what do you have to offer? There was none of that in the story at all. Um, there was never any kind of questioning, like why it was very much like circumstantial. Their conflicts were very much like him being concerned. Like he's so firmly locked into his life in New York. He has, he has a kid, he's got a life, he's got a company, he's got business partners. Um, and she's just starting off. She's just got her master's degree, her MBA, Um, She's just getting her foot in the door. She's figured out what she wants. She's very ambitious. And he recognizes that in her um, from when he was that age. But whereas his life was kind of derailed um, when his sister and brother-in-law passed away and he inherited a child, like her, she has possibilities. So he tries not to really hold her back. It's just so thoughtful. Um, Their interactions are very thoughtful and mature. And... I liked that. No drama. No unnecessary drama at all. There was no unnecessary drama in this book, which I really did. I enjoyed that piece quite a bit. Um, We actually talked a little bit about it being a bit of a palate cleanser. Because if you've read a high angst, high drama book, 
this one was just the perfect amount of spice and sexiness um, with great characters and a great relationship with a very, very satisfying HEA. Yes, I really love the HEA and the epilogue. And they talked about New Mexico. <laughs> okay, so let's get to the, um, let's get to our three questions. Lindsay, uh, did you like this book? Yes, it was my first time reading Olivia Hale. I really enjoyed it. And I'm actually going to be continuing the series. I was really excited. Um, I was really excited about the poker game when they picked, like they made the bet on who would get the next company, which kind of leaves the breadcrumbs for book two. And I was really excited about that. Uh, um, the I also is a matchmaking company. So. Yes, it is a matchmaking company. Um, I also enjoyed this book again. Um, this was my first book by Olivia Haley and I actually have read a couple more from her. And so I just, I really enjoyed it. I went back and read the Seattle billionaire series that she has, which is oh. very, very good. Um, anyway, uh, would you typically, or who would typically like this book? I think any fans of low drama contemporary romance, or if you just like billionaire romance, it's a really fresh take on the genre, I thought. Yeah, I would say billionaire romance. If you're a fan of Avery Flynn or T.L. Swan, but want something with a little less angst than T.L. Swan, you should totally pick up this book. It does have stopover kind of vibes to it, but with no angst and no drama. <laughs> um, so would you recommend this book? Yes, very much. Um, same here. I would totally recommend this book. I actually did recommend this book. Uh, I'm always, it's always delightful to find, uh, new authors and especially cause she has several series out. So if you like this book, I've read the Seattle series and I think there's a, another series out there in the world too. So that's always helpful. I love a good rabbit hole. Yeah. Cause then you get like a little bit of a backlist to work through. Um, and, the, and usually it's pretty reliable when you have that, that it's going to be something you like. Yeah. So I'm excited about that too. Cause I think she's got like seven or eight books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us for this quick shot of romance. As always, it is delightful to chat books with you. It is. It was such a good time. Thanks, Becky. Um, until next time, everyone. Happy reading. Find us on Instagram at Buzzing About Romance or on Twitter at Buzzing Romance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.